1: This podcast exists because of the paid members at DecodingTV.com. Become a paid member, get ad-free episodes, early access to episodes, and support podcasts like Decoding TV. Thanks so much to everyone who makes this podcast possible.
0: It's simple. One of us will have to take our throughput multiplier down the gangway, load the throughput multiplier into the launcher. Then they'll need to hit the green button button. and launch it towards the loop. It will dock with the loom, where it will scale the loom's capacity to manage the backlog of branches that was created when someone killed equal remains and released all those branches and ruined my life.
1: <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Decoding TV. I'm David Chen. And I'm Patrick Cluppick. Welcome to the podcast. On today's episode of Decoding TV, we're going to be discussing, recapping, reviewing, Season 2, Episode 4 of Loki, streaming right now on Disney+. Plus. You can find more episodes of this podcast at podcast.decodingtv.com. Email us at decodingtv@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We'll start, as usual, with our overall thoughts on the episode, move into a detailed recap uh, and description. Before we get to any of that, though, uh, there's a couple of things I want to mention slash cover. Got got a couple of pieces of mm. email and feedback at decodingtv@gmail.com. at I want to mention. Uh, but the first thing I want to actually talk about is something that wasn't covered in emails, and that is that uh there are many memorable exchanges, in my opinion, that you and I had on last week's podcast, Patrick Lepik. Uh and one of the things I said last week was you know, you were saying how, oh, you want Loki season two to to do something new, you know, to to do to do something that's like to do a thing that's like interesting and innovative. And I said, I would be happy if it just did a thing. Like, I would be happy if it just had an idea and, like, followed (laughs) through on it. Right. Uh Uh And actually, this last week, I got to see what a show that does something like that is. Um, And that is the Netflix original series, Bodies. Uh, It is an eight part miniseries about time travel and time loops and predestination and so on. And. The I would say the plot that is a thing. The plot is it's very competently put together. It has none of the style of Loki, it has you know, none of the great banter and rapport that Hiddleston and Wilson have in Loki. Um, it doesn't have the amazing score of Loki. Like, there's a lot of things that are worse than Loki, but from a plot perspective, it is extremely workmanlike in terms of. Hey, here are the things we're setting up, and we're going to pay them off by the end of the show, and they pay them off, and like that's uh, there's something I really appreciate about that. So I'm not saying it's a show for everyone. I'm not saying it's a great show necessarily, but it is very solid, very competent. If you're looking for like time travel stuff, I think it's a great option. Um, But again, it it also like again, it's it's not as good as Loki in many respects. But I just appreciate a show that can. Follow through on something. Have you heard of the show Bodies on Netflix, Patrick Lepeck? I
2: haven't. Uh, did no. it just
1: premiere like in the past? Yeah, it just debuted week or so? like in okay. last week, and I think it's one of the top shows. Uh, I, it looks like a show that was brought over from the UK. Uh, it's an eight-part miniseries, and interesting. Uh, uh, again, uh, you know when when, I, when we talk about when I talk about that kind of stuff about like uh, just just basic screenwriting of we're setting all these <laughs> things up and we're introducing all these ideas, and then by episode eight. We're going to, you're going to understand why we put that there. Um, things that Loki doesn't really do, right? Uh, and, and in general, another component about bodies that I'll mention is if something is uh, like revealed later on, if something is like, oh, we're turning the tables and revealing that so-and-so is actually the doctor. He was the doctor all along or whatever. Like that is very clear to the audience that that is going to be a mystery. You know, as opposed mm-hmm. to, it's just a rug pull and the audience is really confused. Like, oh, I didn't even know I was supposed to be wondering right. if that person was a doctor. Like, uh, all the stuff in bodies is like, it's set up as explicitly, this is a mystery. You're not supposed to know what this is. And then eventually they tell you what it is. Like, that's, as opposed to in Loki, it's, hey, you didn't know what that was, oh, huh? You didn't know what that was. You know, it feels like it's constantly trying to, like, one-up the audience, even though the audience is just trying to enjoy a good story sometimes. Anyway. What so, is, what is the,
2: uh, I feel like because there's so many time travel stories, what is their twist for lack? Of, you know what I mean? Like well, the, the, the
1: premise, the premise is a dead body is discovered in the same location in four different time periods. Oh, that's uh, good. The, that's the a good same, log line. I like that. The same dead body, the same exact, ident- an identical dead body same that looks age. the same, okay. same age, mm. same face, same method of death. Um, Ooh. And it's like, Uh, And then you follow those four different timelines. Uh, So you kind of understand, like, how they each investigate it in their own time periods. That's an easy sell. If you were... Now, granted, obviously the MCU is convoluted as the
2: na- as, as is the nature of a like decades long franchise. But if you had to sit and just summarize Loki in a sentence that was that direct, like, "What's the show about? What's right. cool?" Right, I could not do it. Like, at night, exactly, I could spend half an hour whittling a sentence down, and you would just not be able to get something that is that. <laughs> and it's why I wanted to ask because, like, the fact that you responded so strongly to it suggests to me that there is a one line. Right. explanation for like (laughs) like, what's okay what's the deal here and it's like oh okay like a a body found you know in four different places the exact same
1: body found in four different time periods that are like decades apart and then like it's a great it's very ambitious it's very ambitious the show is like trying to like show you how the murder investigation would unfold in four different time periods and like in some of these time periods fingerprinting right is is like a fringe science at the time you know like so it's like or you know a, a doing an autopsy is a bigger deal in some time periods than other you know so it's like it, it's very ambitious and um and has like a really good hook uh and pretty much everything pays off now you can debate how well it pays off but like it, it's like at the end I, I felt very satisfied i felt i felt like um very respected by the storyteller it's like really an
2: extension of your uh your broader disappointment with a lot of modern television storytelling especially these franchise things you like look doesn't have to be a good ending. But just is it an ending? <laughs> Which I, I ending? know is like I'm saying like you know, slightly facetiously, but it is especially a lot of the shows that you and I have have covered, especially ones that are in ongoing franchises, there is this inability to just deliver an arc.
1: Yes. And and yes. there
2: is there is an art to doing an arc that feels satisfying while also making you go, Boy, I I, I could see like more here. And I think that's like been a repeated theme of the kind of things that you and I have found had problems with is just an inability to conceive of an arc that gives you satisfaction in the moment. Um, and for for you, it's like, look, man, just give me not even satisfaction. Just like, end, <laughs> just like, end, like, oh, I could go watch something else. And like, that's okay. Right, right, and That's just, yeah. that is an ongoing rarity these days, especially in these giant franchise.
1: Uh, Absolutely. Properties. Absolutely. Well, uh, this does remind me of this email we got from David writing into decoding tv gmail.com. Uh, David writes in, I've been enjoying your recaps and discussion, but I've never been so happy as when I heard the term quote threatened to overwhelm the plot loom end quote. So perfectly summarize our shared concerns for the series. Uh, end quote. I believe that's a Patrick Klepek coining. Um, I'll take it
2: I- even if it's wrong. I'll, 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 assume the credit now. Cause that I, I agree. I don't remember saying that, nor do I remember <laughs> you saying that, but that <laughs> does seem pretty clever, and I'm, I'm here to, to grab basically it my for, own.
1: Literally retains zero memory of any of our conversations <laughs> no, I think I'm uh, just of the sim- plug <laughs>
2: I I have a very low opinion of myself. As, the podcast as a leaves
1: zero residual taste in his mouth uh, when he when he does the <laughs> much the show much thing. like
2: the ending of a Loki episode. Oh uh, shit! Um, okay. Well not, well, well, not this one. But, not, I, this one anyway, not, not this, this one. Not this
1: one. Not this one. Not this one. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, Rob uh, F writes into Decoding Let us know where you're from when you're writing in, Do, uh, please. Uh, Rob writes into decoding TV Gmail in your discussion about episode three, Patrick made a point to discuss the episodes uh, highlighting of Chicago geography. However, I was surprised neither of you mentioned the thing which I found to be most distracting, which is the way Chicago's geography was presented makes absolutely no sense. At one point, Victor says we must return to my lab across the lake. So I'm thinking to myself, Interesting. I guess we're going to Michigan. Nope. Yeah, no, his lab yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. His lab is in Wisconsin? Not what yeah. I would describe as across the lake. Later, when Renslayer and Victor are on the ferry traveling north, we see the World's Fair in the background off the starboard side of the ship, putting it to their east. But if they're traveling north to Wisconsin, Chicago should be to the west off the port side of the ferry. Are either of these world-breaking errors? No. But in my opinion, they point to a larger issue with Loki season two and the MCU in general lately, which is that most of their projects don't seem to pay enough attention to the little details. If they can't even keep straight which side of the Lake Chicago is on, how can I have faith in their ability to interweave so many new characters into a single narrative? I can't. Uh, Anyway, Uh, that is the email from Rob writing to decoding tv at gmail.com. Wow, really? Uh really your comment last week about the show uh, taking place in Chicago is aging like fine milk in a hot car. uh, I, you know,
2: it's a, it is a, it is a fair point uh, as, (laughs) as it is made. I I would only just go as far as to say, I, I just, (laughs) I don't know that I would necessarily indict the storytelling of the show associated with non-understanding the was geography relations of Illinois and uh, Wisconsin, because I don't know how many, like, Wisconsin and Illinois people uh, necessarily respect the geography and our relative locations of Illinois and Wisconsin oh, as well. So wow. I think that may just be like a you know uh, uh just a steady tension there. But it is true that when you do say across the lake, you can actually you know if you have a boat, you can actually take like I've known like people have rented boats and you can take it out of. You know, downtown Chicago and you actually can drive um over to 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 Michigan um and, and back again. But it's true. That is I didn't put that together uh in watching the show. That's on me. Um I was not necessarily thinking about the direction of the boat at the time, but I appreciate the listeners of Cody TV keeping us honest, David. Um that's Absolutely. that's all I ask.
1: Absolutely. You know what this reminded me of? Uh do you remember James Cameron making Titanic? And they built this like scale model of the ship but the way that it was constructed it was actually um like the ship was pointing in the wrong direction when uh like at, compared to real life like in mm. the shoot it was facing the wrong direction compared to real life so what they did was they reversed every single thing in that shot um so like all the luggage tags all the writing that's on signs or on the cars or whatever. They just oh they, my God. they custom made every component of that scene so that it could all be reversed uh when they were actually the the final film. Uh so incredible. that it could incredible what was real. Uh but that is apparently not the someone could not even bother to be uh, to ask someone <laughs> To make a phone call to someone from Chicago and ask, "Is this where Wisconsin would be, relatively speaking?" For Loki season, I don't think people are taking boats from
2: Illinois to Wisconsin. You'd have to go all the like Milwaukee and Madison aren't on the water. I don't like. I don't think they're close enough. So you wouldn't. You could go to a weird rural (laughs) town on the east side of Wisconsin. Which, well, good luck. Have fun there. I don't. Don't say you're from Illinois when you show up there.
1: I I will agree with you that I don't think this should be an indictment of the storytelling. Like I think <laughs> no, that no, no. I think that <laughs> like the below the line craftsmanship is often very disconnected from uh, the storytelling from, from like the you know screenwriting and so on. And so on. Like uh, at its best in a movies like let's say Killers of the Flower Moon, those things are like intricately tied together. Uh, but I have a feeling that they're not as tied together for a show like Loki. Uh, it just varies depending on the production. Also, at the but, World's yeah. Fair is right there. It's like, well, uh, like we want it in the shot.
2: You know what I mean? I can just see someone just like, we want it in the shot. Like, uh, let's like that's not, that's not <laughs> yeah, worry about exactly, it too much. Exactly,
1: exactly. <laughs> and who's yeah. going to care? The people, those those uh, <laughs> malcontents on decoding TV? <laughs> no, no. Get, they list the. They listen to this and we're like, we're good, we're good, we made it right past them. Like then we're got, yeah. we're fine with r- most of the audience. <laughs> it's okay, we got a we got a Chicago stand in Patrick Klepik, and he's gonna overlook.
2: I'm from the northwest suburbs. I need mean, this clear in the podcast. I am not from Chicago, and so I feel like I can't be held to the standard of. But I should understand. Well, you know, it's fine. It's fine. He's gonna overlook all the glaring errors.
1: Okay. Anyway. Anyway. All right. Thank you for your emails at DecodingTV at gmail.com. And, of course, you can always always comment as well at DecodingTV.com. Patrick Klepek, let's discuss Loki Season 2, Episode 4. As usual, let's start by talking about our overall thoughts, and then let's get into the detailed recap. What did you think overall of this episode? Uh,
2: Well, before I get there, I want to express uh, some profound disappointment. You know, the last couple of episodes, David, you have asked me, and I always forget, could you write a little ditty at the Mm. beginning um, to introduce yourself? And I always forget and then I panic and I write something. And last night I remembered and I wrote one last night. And then I was, I was scrambling to introduce myself. At the but then I didn't, I didn't, you didn't do it. And I and wasn't beginning. ready was for it. Day. I was like waiting for David to do his little thing. And okay. you're like, and, and I'm like, oh, and, and. So if you hear any scare and tension in my voice, when I introduced myself it was because I was, I was waiting for my mark and I didn't hit it. That's a hundred
1: percent. My bad, grossly unprofessional on my part. <laughs> Uh, why don't we just do the introduction again right now? Okay. Let's do it right now. Let's do it again. All right, okay. you ready? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, let yeah. me see. I, uh, <laughs> 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 all right, here we go. Here we go. Uh, hello everyone and welcome to Decoding TV. I'm David Chen, and I promise this will all make sense in the end. And Joining me today <laughs> is Patrick Cook. Puff- <laughs> Joining me today is
2: Patrick Klepik. Are you okay? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know, dude. I'm feeling uh, weirdly hungry for some spaghetti at the moment. Oh! <laughs> he wow. Looked,
1: he looked... <laughs> wow. That was, that was worth it. That was worth it, Patrick. That was worth it. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, that's my bad. Be- <laughs> U- usually I do, just for those who are like curious for behind the scenes... I do a little check-in at the beginning of the podcast. Be like, did you write an opening statement? And then I'll prompt you for it. And I didn't do the check-in. So then I didn't, I didn't, I didn't prompt. And now we'll end up with this mess where we're 15 minutes into the podcast and we haven't started the recap yet. It's so called riffing. It's called it's, riffing. It's yes, called riffing. Indeed. Indeed. Okay. All right. Patrick Lepic, what did you think of season two, episode four of Loki? Uh, certainly I would
2: say the strongest, episode i think since the pilot um uh it has some genuine i think as i messaged you after watching it like hey this episode's got some real like spit out your coffee spit out your water spit out your beer kind of moments that caught
1: me uh patrick klepek said texted me and he said i spit out my coffee on two separate occasions i
2: got it mostly back in but it was like what like what?
1: Yeah, uh, and I, I think those which, moments... le- which left me guessing what those moments would be. I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to finding out what those moments are. But yes. yeah,
2: I'm, I'm uh, one of them. I think is fairly obvious. I'm curious if the other one lined up uh, for you as well yeah. as being that sort of moment. But um, I think that's like a really strong through line. It ends in a uh, I would say like one of the things that you know you and I discussed, and and one thing that you've harped on quite a bit, and I think understandably so, is the rug pulls, um, in which there are these like. Onion-like, well, Onion is more generic because an Onion is like, you kind of know where you're going and there's no <laughs> yeah. layer there. Often here, it's like, it's rug pulls, right? It's surprises. It's gotcha yeah. moments. And those can be effective if done artfully. And I think what uh, we've seen, especially in season two, is I think it's often it just feels arbitrary um, and, and, and like woven into the DNA uh, of the show in a way that I don't think has to be there. And even though this episode uh, ends on a, like, like what what like a real WTF moment it's like one I'm intrigued by like I cannot wait to like see the opening shot of the next episode right I don't know where this series is going for the next two episodes in a at least to me like a really exciting way and I mean that in two ways one I I I kind of felt like I knew what the arc of the show was going to be over these six and Uh, especially in regards to like the Victor uh, Timely character. And I just wasn't all that interested in that show. Um, Certainly not helped by some of the curious performance uh, choices by, uh, you know, for, for Victor Timely. Um, And then also just the distance away from giving any real weight to like Mobius and the fact that it's a variant and B-15 and the fact that she wants to find out like all this other stuff that I find way more interesting Loki and Sylvie just like no time for any of this like we got to work on this Kang and his emotional problems uh, as he learns uh, about what's happening in this world and uh now like you know a lot a lot of different things could happen it's a it's a kind of a interesting blank slate for the series I'm excited to be t- potentially be disappointed by what it does uh, with that bank, uh, blank slate, so let's leave th- that possibility is out mm-hmm. there. Um, but even just moment to moment, I found the character moments in this episode strong. I found the elements of horror uh, strong. This this show walks right up to the edge of whatever you would call depicting PG. violence um, yeah. in in the sh- in, in in the MCU. Um, and yeah, I just I, I ended up having a really Great time. The Victor Tynely stuff like worked better for me in this episode, maybe because there's just a lot less of it. So the individual moments were stronger. Plus also he's more of a character at this point. And so I, I I, think two and three uh, were pretty weak from a storytelling perspective, even though episode three had very strong and exciting production values. It was just fun to watch the show. But in terms of, hey, what's going on here beyond just, I like the banter, which is always strong and always good. Is there something else beneath the surface? Am I enjoying from getting from A to Z? I enjoyed getting from A to Z in this episode the most that I have since everything was sort of table set in in the pilot. Or I guess the, the first episode rather.
1: So here's what I'll say about Loki season two, episode four. I agree with you, there are multiple holy crap moments in the episode that are just it's just great moments like individual moments are wonderful and i can't wait to talk with you about them um in my opinion episodes like this are why this podcast exists so we can like react and talk about it and so you as a listener can enjoy you know communing with people after watching something that has some really bold stuff in it you know an episode that has some really bold stuff in it uh I am also curious about where the show is going, and at this point, we basically have no sense of it. I mean, I think I, I had to check the episode numbers and be like, "Is this the finale of the? Of the you know, like, is this?" And this is all the critics were sent, right? Like, so the <laughs> yeah, reviews, yeah, this, the reviews yeah, that yeah, came yeah. out,
2: you know, for folks that did like season
1: reviews, you know, yeah, yeah. This uh, is all the I, I was, I was being facetious, like, you know, right. There's there's a couple more episodes, but I'm like, is really is it, how are they going to even continue this? Because um, where they end, it feels pretty definitive uh, mm-hmm. in in this episode, but. Here's what I'll say about the episode. So so I, my experience of watching it was uh, overall very strong. I was cackling multiple times <laughs> during the episode. I was just like, that's incredible what I'm watching right now. <sighs> I think this episode is the best of what this show can offer. Yeah. Uh, but also I have a number of systemic deep-seated issues with what this show can offer. Do you know uh, mm-hmm. that I've already tried to articulate over the course of the last couple episodes. episodes? Um, it has all, it also has all the flaws of what the show can offer, which are uh, uh, being really in the weeds about the literal mechanics of, you know, the, the temporal loom and like how the TVA works and, and uh, introducing character ideas at the beginning of the episode that like or, or like barely introducing them at the beginning of the episode. And then like ha- trying to have them pay off by the end of the episode in a way that feels very clunky. Like all that stuff is going on in this episode as well. Um, and really reveals the shortcomings of the show. But despite all that, I had a great time watching the episode. So like, it's, it's, I agree with you. It's the best of what the show can offer and it has some really compelling stuff to offer. And it also has some really significant flaws that we will discuss momentarily. So, uh uh, what happened this episode the episode opens with Miss Minutes and Renslayer at the end of time where Renslayer learns she was a critical commander in the multiversal war but instead of sitting by he who remains aside her reward was her and everyone else at the TVA having her mind erased let's pause here this is the payoff for the thing that was introduced last episode right like the secret that Miss Minutes knows and at this point, Miss Minutes and Rensselaer is like, "Hey, we don't need he who remains. We can run. We can run the TVA ourselves. Why, why do we need that guy? You know." And it's fine. You know, I, I have no, no, no issue with that as as a reveal. Like, I, I guess I you had like a I think a a moderate reaction to the fact that it's kind of dangling this plot thread that's going to pay off this episode. Like, what did you think of the payoff?
2: Yeah, I. It, it, I guess this theory could still pan out. I guess there is a reason. There's no reason it couldn't. I My pet theory had been that Renslayer was a Kang variant. Uh, yeah, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. And it's, I suppose still could be true. Like there's nothing, right, right. even though all depictions of Kang are, you know, the actor Jonathan Majors in different outfits, there's nothing about the character, especially as depicted by Loki and all other variant. like all of season one of Loki was, look, there's frog Loki. There's like female, lo- like there's no reason that Kang has to look like Jonathan Majors, other than just that's the way that they've depicted the character so far. So that had been my pet theory, it was like, oh, and they were going to find out that he's been manipulating other Kangs through the multiverse to mm-hmm. to do do his bidding. Um, uh, and again, like that still could be true. Um, this version at least provides, I mean, it's obvious what it's providing, which is like, hey, like, why is she so like emotional motivation for this character that has been sorely lacking. The entire season in which this character like Renslayer is bouncing around, acting as an antagonist with no emotional juice explaining why, right. like, you know, it's about how we end up in awkward conversations with Renslayer and Morbius, but like, they really think like we should be working together. And even Victor Timely pointing out like, yes, really feels like yeah. we should all be. <laughs> Working together. do we all um, want
1: the same, literally the same thing?
2: And that is and that is a failure of the storytelling to produce appropriate tension and conflict so that those conversations do, don't seem really goofy to the audience.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, one of my favorite YouTube channels is uh, Pitch Meeting with Ryan George. Have you seen the Pitch Meetings? And he has this catch. It's, it's an amazing series of where he pretends to be Hollywood executives pitching each other a movie. Uh, and then he like reveals all of the flaws of the movie during the pitch meeting. And he has um, a saying that uh, we now say a lot in this household, which is like, whenever there's a big plot leap that needs to happen, um, he'll say something like super easy, barely an inconvenience. That's the saying is like (laughs) super easy, barely an inconvenience. Uh, It it turns out there's a, a simple explanation for that. And the super easy barely any inconvenience happened probably a couple times this episode. But the one thing that really struck me was how does Renslayer get back to the TVA? Um, do they, do they like explain that? Or was that even a hard thing for her? Like, cause she just shows up in the jail. As far as I can recall, she miss minutes is like, Hey, I can work with you now. And I guess together, the two of them figure out a way to get them back to the TVA. But it's just like, Hey, isn't Renslayer been banished to the end of time by Sylvie? Like, you know, didn't she? Didn't Sylvie send her there to punish her, and now she's just back all of a sudden? You know, it's like okay, and and then she's gone by the end of the episode too. Um, so, super easy, barely an inconvenience that Renslayer's back. Uh, anyway, it, it, it's I, I would agree with you. This gives decent motivation for Renslayer's actions this episode, but we don't have any motivation for Renslayer's actions in the previous episode, and also, um, even still, both Renslayer and uh Mobius and Loki want the same thing which is to not let the TVA completely self-destruct right Right, but at least
2: there would have been uh more understandable ideological tension between like that's essentially like this the show is trying to at various points be like hey there's an ideological and philosophical tension on what the TVA are we trying to uphold the mission that was or the mission that we're defining now in the moment and it's very easy to understand like why that would be a a thread to pull on during this season, but you would but have not, wanted it. It's a, not clarified. No, in, it's four in script, episodes yeah. in like, yeah, like yeah. I would have loved for Renslayer to have had this motivation at the beginning of this season to make her feel like, like a real strong antagonist. Like why, why does she still care about the TV? Why does she still care about this as an institution? Well, yeah. Like, the, okay, this would make sense. Why she, this is my spot. I deserve to run. The, you know what I mean? Like that, you know, fuck this cane guy. Like I- I'm going to do this. I did this. I won the multiverse. Like that's, that's decent motivation for a character. Yeah. And it's, it's really, you know uh, like points back to your, you know, common criticism of like backfilling
1: motivation to right, reveals. It, it, it almost feels like they figured out that idea, like halfway through the season and yeah. they're like, okay, we'll add that in. But like, imagine if it had come at the end of last season somehow, or at the beginning of this season, then we'd be like, oh, okay, like that makes more sense. And now it's like, what? Well, now it comes in as a surprise, and I guess it kind of gives some motivation to her. But right, it, you know, does it really change the plot that much? Uh, it's a missed opportunity. So anyway, at the TVA, Victor Timely tries to understand the world he's been dropped into. Mobius and Loki convince him to help after Timely hears the TVA's loom breaking down. Timely and Ob meet face to face and are mutually impressed with each other's work. Obi has come up with a plan to expand the loom to accommodate the expanding branches and Timely believes it's possible to use one of his prototypes to make it all work. Uh, a, a lot of, you know, I, I like the idea of, hey, you inspired my work. Actually, you inspired my work. Like, that's a cool, like, loop mm-hmm. idea that's in many time travel things. Um, and there's this whole introduction of, here's how this works. You need to go out there with this with this a uh, goober as they would call in across the spider-verse go out there with the goober and press the button and do the thing and uh and then it like undercuts it like subverts that right like uh, at the end of the episode which i love i wish the show hadn't spent so much of the rest of its time being so involved with these plot mechanics. like the first episode is virtually incomprehensible with how much like plot mechanics it throws at you like you got to go out there and do this and do this and do that you know it's like Okay, you know, and and now it's doing it again, but it's undercutting it. Um, imagine if there had been no other plot mechanic, and this was the first time they were like, "You got to go out and do this thing," and then like when it's undercut, then it's like more impactful that way. As opposed, in, in my opinion, in my opinion, um, but it's just it's just so complicated. It's like okay, you gotta you gotta attach the thing to the thing, and it's like, well, that will take time to incorporate, and then Victor Time is like, you can do it. You know, it's like, why do we even need to introduce that as a as a uh. Plot mechanic. I guess they want to, like, make it so that OB and Victor Timely need to work on something together during the course of the episode. But Yeah, um, they, they
2: seem to recognize they need, like, almost a gimmick for every time they're going to revisit right. this expo- right. like these, this kind of uh, technical exposition dump that needs to, yeah. or at least yeah. they feel like it needs to occur. Here, it doesn't feel like it really ne- I feel like it's pretty, like, we already did this with Loki. Like, Loki went right. out there and shot the So I feel like you've already, you did that. You set that up. And I, and I loved I, the thing is, I loved the gimmick. Like, Obi apologizing for only doing one layer of paint and not having enough figures for everybody is, is like, a really funny gimmick. It gives that actor, like, great material to work with. It's it's truly funny. It just ends up going on for way longer than it needs to. And it's, it's again, it's one of these instances in the show where it's, it's chewing up time over this, like, ironically, for a show, for a show about time that could have been spent doing anything else. And still in an episode that I think is largely pretty effective and I think you put it well in saying effective at being the show that it is yeah. less than rather than the show that I think you and I would sometimes want it to be. But if it, this is what it is, like this is a great encapsulation of what can it accomplish. But even in embedded within that are moments I think wasted where there is just slack that could be either tightened or given uh, to give other uh, scenes a little more room uh, to, to breathe characters, more room uh, to breathe. And, and they just seem... It's totally understandable because like we said, it's hard to explain what this show is trying to accomplish or what the premise is in a single line. So I'm sympathetic to a writer's room sitting back and going, okay, what does the audience know? What are we afraid that they're losing the plot? Like, It's been two episodes. Do we need to do another explainer? And that's in many ways an indictment of, well, the premise is only here because you chose the premise, right? I mean, obviously there's (laughs) Ken Feige. I mean, like it's not as simple as, as that, but- there are just there are probably more effective ways to accomplish what they did here. Even even though I appreciate the lengths gone to, to like how do okay there's gonna be some portion of the audience that already knows what's going on. What are they entertained by? Well, you're right. I am entertained by the little miniatures and the model, and like that's a great yeah. way to show it. But it's just it's just overly lengthy. And I think you could have come up with a better way of communicating at the end of the day what what it is, which is Ob and Timely working together on a thing. Do you have to really explain that? Just like, oh, we need help with the loom. You know what I mean? Like it just didn't have to be right, right, this
1: yeah. this far down the rabbit. Exactly. Radical. I a hundred percent agree there. Um I did think it was a uh back to the future homage, by the way. The mm-hmm. the model, right? Like Doc Brown in Back to the Future says, please excuse the crudity of this model. I didn't have time to uh paint it or build it to scale, basically. And so it's a very similar line that OB utters. Uh and I love that they uh they're paying tribute to the things that inspired them. Mobius, Sylvie, and Loki leave the group to work while Mobius proposes having a pie break. That causes Sylvie to snap at Mobius's indifference to the destruction of billions of lives at the hands of the TVA's incompetence. Later, they end up in the infamous pie room anyways. Loki and Sylvie try to work out their feelings on being gods, playing gods, and wrestling with their responsibility to the branch timelines that exist. I actually like this interaction overall, uh, and there's a great line at the end where she says, it sounds like you're playing god, and uh, he says, "We are gods," and that's this is a great mm-hmm. classic line. You know, I, I, I love that. Um, Sylvie really doth protest too much for someone who was working at McDonald's a few episodes ago. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> she, she's just chilling, work at McDonald's, and then you want to get she's wor- working like five shifts a week at McDonald's, and then she's like, "You want to get pie in this moment?" I guess her priorities really have changed over time. Well, and she um, told, we, you know, she told that guy that she was going to be
2: back there the next morning. I don't know how time works, passes in the TV right. relative to these branches, but I feel like somebody missed their shift, Sylvie. And that mm-hmm. kid, who you seem kind of concerned about, like didn't see, you weren't yeah. confident you, that car was going to show up. I, I felt like maybe <laughs> some concern about the relationship with like the mom at home. I was getting a weird vibe there with the way that Sylvia kind of a parent. You know, I'm just saying, Sylvie, you could be back on that timeline, like make flipping those burgers. And you're not, you're here yelling about the, about the pie, but I'm, I'm with you. I think it was a, it's a good scene that said, I'm like at the conclusion of season one, you know, they're sort of in love, right? Like, and it's like a funny way to reflect Loki as a character's like self-loving, like egotistical nature. I think him falling for another version of himself is just a deliciously appropriate, a comic booky thing that I, that I found like, really natural for the character and i gotta be honest like i'm just i'm less interested in hearing them bicker over the nature of their the ethics of the multiverse and branch timelines as much as i just wish they would talk to each other about each other um and like i did i did a little live... bit of that happening here but i i guess i just worry it's like for every time we do this it's a moment that we they can't talk to each other about themselves and now, granted, some of this is in this conversation is them talking about themselves through this like broader topic, but I don't. Again, it's I still feel like it's an extension of. There's characters talking in a room having a moment, but we're still talking about like the multiverse and the timelines as opposed to more grounded human stuff that I that I wish it spent a little more time with.
1: You know, say what you will about the tenets of the TVA, at least it's an ethos. I have to say about <laughs> it. And I actually didn't mind it. Honestly, this is just an analogy, so don't. Get upset. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm just saying, like, it reminded me of conversations I've heard between like Bernie Sanders supporters and Joe Biden supporters. I'm just put that <laughs> out there. Or like, you know, uh Democrats and anarchists, or whatever. You know, I'm not I'm not saying and I'm not saying those are equivalent either. Like, sure, to, sure, to, sure. To the Bernie sure. Bros. But I'm saying, like, there's people who want to improve the existing system, and there's people who want to destroy the system we have and rebuild from nothing. And Uh, we, what we've been asking for Patrick is for people to like actually clarify what their views are on these things. And I'm grateful that the show actually did that in this case, whether it will do anything with that. I have no confidence, but like it actually did clarify what these people think about the TVA. And I think that's actually worthwhile. Uh, and I think it does now, you know, are they going to do anything with it? Does it actually make any sense given what we know about Loki's character until this point? Or, or
2: Sylvie's, right? Cool. Sylvie is not an anarchist. Sylvie was like, like essentially like free will, but like, but free free will as it currently stands, everyone's going to burn. Well, maybe we should just let her burn. I was like, I think that's a logical leap for you, Sylvie. Um, I don't know if that that's where you ended up uh, at mm-hmm. the end of the first season, based mm-hmm. on my interpretation of your, of your character.
1: Well, maybe she's maybe her thinking about it is flawed, she did, I, you
2: know? hey, look radicalized <laughs> but, over the course of the events of this show. I can I can buy that.
1: Yeah. 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 So anyway, it I, it did strike me like, OK, w- whether or not it makes sense that those characters got to that point. At least now we have a clear articulation of what they think. And there's some mm-hmm. I, like dueling ideologies that's more than just whatever Sylvie, whoever Sylvie happens to feel like killing or not killing that week. You know, like <laughs> Sure, uh, sure. So it, it has gone beyond that point, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, in the TVA brig, X5 tries to sell General Docs and the other renegade hunters on deserving a spot on the Sacred Timeline. It's at this point that B15 gives her big pitch on saving this new TVA and leaves the room hoping it's landed with them. Then Miss Minutes and Renslayer propose that General Docs, X Five and the other become their personal army and secure life on the Sacred Timeline. Everyone but X Five refused the offer and are subsequently subsequently killed in horrifying fashion using the TVA's torture device. When B fifteen discovers what's happened, she realizes that she can't communicate with her Tempad and that something is going wrong at the TVA. So again, curious how like Renslayer made it to, Like maybe I missed an explanation. So that's like my bad if I did. Patrick, did you catch it as well? Like how Renslayer I mean, was able I, to... I think the short is just Miss Minutes. Is, like, yeah, I, think that's
2: a, I think that's a Miss Minutes hand wave. Like yeah, she she is, she's, she's all is powerful. Just,
1: yeah, she's all powerful. Okay. Um, the other thing that I wish had been better set up is like, why are General Docks's people important? It looks like she has about 20 guys in there, you know, like, and it's like, how many people even work at the TVA? Is it like 50,000? Is it like 30? It you looks know, like, big,
2: like, and that's, In that's so, we spend <laughs> right. so much time in what I would probably discover, like, describe as, I don't know, the, like, the main government building of, of yeah. whatever this space is, right? It looks like
1: there's thousands of people. It looks right. like, like So when, when Loki
2: run, is running around, and there's that taxi, and there's the statue, I mean, there's a civilization, I mean, like, there, <laughs> right. this is a, a massive, <laughs> this is a metropolis, and the way the show conveys the TVA, though, is shot very like constrained minimalist in this one area. But the the shots we get of the yeah. rest, of it was like, there are so many people living lives doing, I don't know what else they're doing here. It seems like a lot of the important stuff happens in
1: this building, but they're here. Uh, th- this is the kind of stuff that I feel like the show just drops the ball on is like, uh, if you want us to have some tension, some emotional stakes around whether or not general docs accepts the the request, you have to do a good job of explaining why it's important that General Docs accepts the request. And the show basically does not do that, right? It's like, you got to get General Docs's people on our side because they're so important. Why? Because of reasons that we just, we said it's important. That's why. But like, you can imagine a situation where General Docs has like 10,000 guys at her disposal or whatever, you know? And like, yes, that would be harder from a visual effects perspective, but it would at least convey why this particular decision is important.
2: You could just say they're Uh, hiding in the branches. You know what I mean? Like there are hand wavy ways that like they're in hiding. Like they'll come out if they get the signal.
1: Or we stored them, we spread them out strategically over 30... cells like in andor you know like i'm just saying like they're in little they're, boxes they're... have you seen these boxes we have right. they're terrifying yeah. but we put yeah, them all e- in those boxes exactly you've put them you've you know like make some mention of like hey we but like i think the show just didn't want to deal with any of that they didn't want to make decisions about how big the tva is or how many people so they're just like all right they're important because we say so and it's her and like 10 guys basically it's her and like 20 guys um all that said Uh, the, I like the, you know, and and why would General Docs refuse to do it? You know, uh, also unclear. But what is clear is uh, that the show does do a good job of setting up is X5 uh, wanting to go back to the timeline. Like, we, we understand from episode two, he liked life back in his human form. And basically, Renslayer is offering to put him back into the Matrix, right? So, it makes sense that he would betray everyone else. And then the way in which everyone is killed is like truly horrifying. They really, oh. Ooh, they pushed I'm guessing this is one of the coffee spitting out moments. Basically. Yeah. Because I kept waiting for, okay, it's going to cut. Okay. We're going to cut. It did. It did cut. It was very tasteful how they did it. it actually, but, I, but it still I, went f-
2: further than I was expecting. Like it like, was it, mostly
1: a sound design thing. It was yeah. mostly because you, you see no blood, you see no remains. Um, it's mostly just you see the the box shrinking, and then you hear people screaming, and then you're just left to imagine everything else. Um, there is even an amazing shot later when X15 comes back in, and she opens up her tempad, and it shows it from her POV, and her tempad is covering the the view of all the dead people. Uh, and I was just like, oh, that's very tasteful. Like they showed almost nothing; they let you, let you imagine everything, and. That's that's a really well-done sequence for a Disney Plus series. You know what it I'm is, saying? It is. Yeah.
2: It, yeah. And I, I, I thought it did a better job... I thought it did a pretty good job of conveying, like, the betrayal that was upon this character. Like, what they just chose right. to do. Like, like I think the show has done a pretty poor job of, like, really harping on this, I think, really, like, rich storytelling vein. of yes. like, Having a spot on the Sacred Timeline. What does it mean, you know, every time we revisit you know mobius like why haven't you seen where like what your life was like like we've explored all of that through this one character and while i wish they had done so much more and i wish that was a bigger focus of the show like this moment land like lands the metaphorical plane um, absolutely on this character really really well and i think there's an an, an excellent payoff on that in this at ep- like consequences of that choice like that is another great payoff. Like later, like it's, it's one of those moments where it's like, Hey, a lot of the threads in the show I'm worried about. They feel like they're just going to keep dangling. Um, <laughs> much like the loom ever expanding. And it's, and it's, and it's, it's branches. Uh, but this one feels like they snipped it pretty well. And like, it ends in a place that is terrifying, but also understandable. Like, I, yeah, you know, the people in that room, you know, general docs and, and the folks under her, like, well, they don't understand what's tempting about it. But man, we saw his life. Yeah. That seemed pretty fun. Like seemed yeah. like he was like fulfilled and happy and had motivations. And like, that's nothing that these folks, at the TV have, because they don't know what they don't have. And so I thought they they'd do a really good for a character that I was worried that was going to get kind of sidelined and does get sidelined for various reasons. It was cool to see that they found a way to get that character into a place that was Like, I don't know about I'm I'm empathetic, but I understand why the character landed where they did. And I found that really satisfying in a show that doesn't have a ton of those moments, especially as we're still two episodes out and we don't know how these other characters are going to
1: end up. I'm glad you're pointing that out, because the way the show shoots the heart of the horrifying thing is it like a huge part of it is locked in on his reaction to it. Yeah. And that's, what's amazing. That's why you hire someone like Raphael Casal is like, he can convey the extreme ambivalence. He feels seeing all of his coworkers getting crushed into a tiny cube.
2: You know, like, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know if I'd describe it as ambivalence, but I think he, the, the what, what you see in his face is it's worth it. This is hor- like what I am doing. I think he accepts that what he is doing is, is horrible. And he knows he is a horrible person as a result, mm-hmm. but it's worth it. Like, that, that like that spot going back to that it is it is worth
1: mm. leaving yeah, yeah, all this yeah.
2: behind. I I don't think he's
1: sure. I, don't don't think I, he's, I guess that's what I'm trying to say is like he has conflicting emotions. Yeah, it's horrible, yeah, but it's worth yes, you know that's yes, that's yeah. what I mean to say. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a great performance. It's like a wonderful moment in the show, uh, and and does a great job. It's like arguably more effective than showing a box of little bones and blood and everything like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I don't need it, to
2: see the he and she who may remain from that box at the end of it. <laughs> you
1: know, I just don't, I don't need, need to see it. See, they see the, he or she who remains remain, the remains. I don't know the what he, kind of remain.
2: How much <laughs> does the box, does it turn it
1: into dust at the end? Right, it seemed right. like
2: it seemed like the, the reaction. Like, I was trying to think of the mechanic, like there's a reason you wouldn't depict it. Cause there's too many questions, you know, like we just, you know, like um wouldn't be able <laughs> I, to answer it. I, I,
1: my, I imagine like a rectangular plexiglass just like completely solid red because it's mm-hmm. full of like bones and viscera mm-hmm. and blood mm-hmm. and everything mm-hmm. like that. You know, that's what I imagine. So <laughs> pinhead would be proud. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, but great moment. One of the most horrifying things I think we've seen depicted in any Marvel thing. Ironically. I was trying, like, you know, the
2: closest that, uh, Marvel, you know, there was the wonderful werewolf by night, um, last yeah, Halloween, yeah. um, that they just, oddly released in color, um, which I think is mostly just an extension of we need things to, there's yeah, no need, strikes. Need- I'm sure. Take away. There <laughs> were things for us to put out that black and white thing. Put it in, put it in put color. Put it on in color. Put it on. In color, um, yeah. that Michael Giacchino did one. I was a great, a great little, if you haven't seen it, cause on Disney plus, like it's, it's, it's an awesome little, um, addition to, to that world. Um, but even that is ugh, like, it's, it's, it's not that violent. It's not that upsetting. It's just not what this world does. And, Frankly, the way they get away with it is just like you said; they can't show it, and so yeah. I think it for you and I, for like adult viewers or even like like teenage viewers, we can fill in those blanks. Um, if if like my you know my kid is like hot and cold with like superhero stuff, and is certainly not invested enough to watch the second season of the Loki show to like, like at that level of keeping up, but we I to watch that with my seven year old. I don't even know how. It would be upsetting, but it wouldn't be upsetting in the way it is to you and I, because there's just no way for her to conceptualize like how bad it is, which is kind of the genius of the shot, right? right it's like, right, yeah. you're too young to know why this is fucking <laughs> disgusting. and That's great for you. I'm so happy for you. You're seven.
1: Yeah, you haven't been You're haven't too been young ruined. to understand why this is one of the worst things that's ever been <laughs> yeah. shown on screen. Uh, the, the, the only thing that comes close in terms of psychological body horror that I can think of is remember in, I want to say it was either infinity war, Avengers infinity war. When, uh, somebody gets the reality stone and like turns mantis into like a bunch of ribbons, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Wow. Well, which by the way is also yeah. something that happens in this episode. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so two, mm. this episode has two of the most horrifying things that have ever happened in the MCU, which I really <laughs> appreciate. Uh, you could argue the snap and people vanishing, but that's not nearly as like gross as that's like emotion. That's emotionally, yeah, that's emotionally difficult. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, the only thing worse than being crushed to death by a box is being crushed to death in a box with all of your coworkers. That's that's the thing that I can't Please imagine. give me
2: my own box, you know? Please give me
1: my own box to die in. That's all I am asking for i want a four-day work week i want like good health insurance subsidized to the government and i want my
2: own coffin my own digital coffin box to be crushed in when i'm done with with, what is uh, a coffin
1: if not like a need for an individual box to die you know like show some respect exactly absolutely absolutely anyway great scene (laughs) one of the greatest i'm glad we spent so much time talking about it because definitely worth reacting over okay uh, while marveling over a machine that can dispense hot cocoa, a hunter guarding Victor Timely is pruned by X5 and kidnaps Timely. Obi realizes the reasons their tempads aren't working is because Miss Minutes is back and messing with the TVA systems. While they scramble for a solution, Timely buys time with Renslayer and Miss Minutes by convincing them he can help them out. It's at this point that we transition to a scene from earlier this season. When Loki was scrambling through a dying TVA, trying to find uh, trying to find a way to stop himself from time slipping, we learn the person who pruned Loki was actually Loki. The loop completed. Loki and Sylvie pick up a mysterious object, a telephone, and communicate with Ob. Ob suggests rebooting the system and turning off all the safety measures of the TVA, including ones that prevent the use of magic. All right, let's let's pause here to talk about this for a second. Um, so. I don't know what our reaction was supposed to be to this moment because basically this moment is a payoff for a series of shots that occur in episode one, where uh, you know, Loki is trying to top, stop the time slipping, and they do, they do Obi's plan, and Obi gives them the little stopwatch with the red and the green circles, semicircles. And then we kind of see brief glimpses of the tva we see a glimpse of loki getting pruned we see a glimpse of sylvie in the elevator and then we see loki and mobius crashing into the tva you know from from the temporal loom um it's a cool moment it's a shocking moment but the stuff that was introduced early on was i'm just gonna say so confusing that like in the first episode that I don't know that it really pays off in an aha way uh that I think the people who created the show were hoping for. Patrick Klepek, what's your reaction to this? Uh I agree with you that it's not as aha
2: as maybe they're hoping for. More for me the the way it's shot, the music is it's very like somber and melancholy and sad in a way mm-hmm. and like, there's not, like the mechanics of like what's occurring are not like sad or me- like he's saving him like he's saving him like you just you're completing like it just didn't really there are moments in the show where it's like using it's like synthesizer like soundtrack like make you feel something and i just there wasn't anything to be felt in this moment i I guess the idea of pruning yourself feels like when said out loud like yeah i guess that would be kind of weird to have to sneak up on oneself but it becomes very obvious what he needs to do in that moment. It's not like you're killing yourself. You're actually saving. So I don't know. It just, it was shot in a sad sort of way. And instead it was just sort of, no, we're just sort of closing the literal loop on a plot, you know, device from yeah. from early the season. Um, and so I don't know, it, just, uh, look- it felt like it was played as a bigger moment than that, than how it lands for
1: me as the viewer when I was watching it. I think the, the way to you really want to do a scene like this, and by the way, you know, this is kind of the stuff I'm talking about with the Netflix series bodies that like it does do stuff like what I'm about to say, which is you show that scene from earlier in the season with more context, like make it make sense of like and then when we get to it again, we're like, oh, now I understand why we saw the thing earlier. You know, like instead earlier in the season, episode one, it was like we saw these brief flashes of things that didn't really make any sense to us at all. Like it are honestly felt like it could have been a dream sequence. What was what we saw earlier on. Um So as a result, I think this was there. There's not much here other than the aha of it's Loki pruning himself. Right. Yeah. Or if they could have talked, right.
2: Like, like a lot of the yeah. show has been exchanges between different, like if, you know, uh you know, the shot that the, the show chooses is one of surprise, like pruned from the back. But if you could have had 30 seconds where it's like, Hey, Hey, got to prune you. Like remember the whole thing, like you're going to die. I, you don't know. Like, there could have been yeah. a moment. And it, frankly, it seemed like a moment that was more humorous than dark and sad and dramatic. And so I just sort of fundamentally disagreed with the portrayal of that scene. Cause it just didn't land yeah. for me how they were wanting me to feel. And I actually thought a different route that was uh, like a, a, a banter between these two like, it's, you know, Loki coming full circle on himself is, I don't know, it could, it could have it could have gone a different route.
1: Now, I'm also going to put this out there, Patrick lepic it, In a different show, I would say the following. Uh, trust in the show, it's all going to make sense in the end. Right. Like, all, all the emotional and all the plot machinations will all make sense in the end. I don't know if it will. But it, it is possible in the next two episodes we'll find out more details about which Loki was where during what time and like what led to, Loki pruning himself in this episode. And and at the end, it will all snap together and we'll be like, oh, wow, that was brilliant the way it did that. That's right, actually, there, could be, there
2: could be a third Loki, right? Right, it yeah. Could be like, right, it's this distinctly like,
1: possible. Uh, so I yeah. just want to leave that open that, like... Yeah, you're definitely right. That's possible. It's very possible that, like, we'll be like... But as of right now, it's, like, not as particularly satisfying. I mean, he does say Loki there is a line that I can't it, tell if that's He says, like, oh, it all makes sense it later. It will all make sense. It will, so, yeah, maybe, like, in the next two episodes... Uh, I mean, you know, the episode ends with the whole multiverse being destroyed so i have a feeling that's actually not gonna be where the mcu ends um is with <laughs> is Breaking with loki <laughs>
2: like we canceled thunderbolts like with all none yeah, of these yeah, yeah, are yeah. Happening. sorry is
1: turns loki, out loki season two episode four i don't think that's where it's over so <laughs> uh, so again highly possible there's going to be something that explains the loki pruning himself scene and then maybe we'll when we go back to episode one we watch it again we'll be like oh my gosh all the clues are there. It's incredible now, you know, like, so I, I, I am very open to that idea. God, it'd be
2: right. so funny if like, you know, at the end of most MCU projects, it, you know, you get to think of the credits and it says like, Oh, Loki will return or the Eternals will continue. But just at the end of this one, it's like the MCU will not continue. <laughs> it is it's just like, so we decided right in the middle of this one. We're yeah. done. Sorry. I think it's too much. <laughs>
1: rebooting the system means Miss Minutes loses access to the TVA but as she disappears she cryptically says to Timely that he'll never be him soon after Sylvie uses her powers to mind control X5 and prune Renslayer they rescue Timely and sprint towards the temporal loom let's pause here for a moment Uh, again the execution of these scenes is awesome like Miss Minutes rebooting herself like that was amazing you know the way she changes all the colors and then like becomes like the basic like ASCII art clock and all that stuff uh is incredible like you can she's like starts like losing her power it's gradual it happens over time and so uh i thought it was amazing like just this is like the show at its best in terms of design and cg and you know voice acting and so on um so really good stuff there the comment about he'll never be him i don't know if that's setting up um something else i, I what i thought it was a very clumsy way of like setting up uh, this subplot of Victor Timely wanting to be he who remains and failing, like not living up to the man he could be, mm-hmm. which I think has been very poorly established, but is kind of what I think they're getting at because there's this moment at the end where he says time to be brave. And so it's like, yeah. he's trying to be the he who remains. We all knew he always could be. That's what I thought that was. Patrick Klepek, do you have any thoughts on like the you'll, he'll never be him? Yeah, that I don't know because you know, one of the, I assume
2: one of the subplots they're going to revisit in these next episodes is the whole, like, I wanted a body, like the whole Miss Minutes, He Who Remains stuff that is made very central in the third episode. And we haven't seen a whole lot of that since. And so presumably that will be key to to something that happens in episodes five and six. But uh, it, it all could, could, could be as easily as, like you said, where it's just. A general disappointment, like oh, you didn't turn. You know, I left you the fucking book. Like th- this is this is what you ch- like. This is what you've chosen right. to become. Like boring. Like you're never going to be like who that you know. He, like he who
1: remains. Uh, that, that's a great sort of subplot. That's a great idea. It just it hasn't the show hasn't done a great job of setting that up, in my opinion. You know? No. So the, yeah. the
2: thing that I think it does do well is, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I, I love the moment when. Uh, Obi is, is concerned over like, well, we have to turn off like the magic damperers. And then it dawns upon, you know, Loki and Sylvie Like, yeah, like turn yeah. those off because, and I've mentioned this in previous episodes where like, he, Loki's a God of mischief. Like the fun part, uh, you know, we see this in episode two where like use these powers in fun and interesting ways, not cloud of green smoke that arbitrarily, does whatever you needed to do for things to be knocked out of the way or for for characters to be knocked over. I loved watching the differing personalities and approaches, mostly of Sylvie in this case. Like, the way that, like... (laughs) like X5 acts differently when like, like I know Sylvie is
1: like in 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 it's, a, like, it's, it's an so amazing good. performance by Raphael cuz like he his like gait is different his uh the way his voice is different like it's a great performance
2: Oh, I, I and mean, I was so bummed that it was I mean I, you know sometimes like you know it's better to get uh, just a little bit of something yeah. and want more but like I could have like watched that like encounter go on right. for a yeah, couple yeah. of minutes as opposed to like the 30 seconds that we get but it definitely made me look back on, like, the like the attack sequence in in episode two when they're, like, shutting down all of the, like, pruning that's happening or, like, the explosions. that Like, these characters are, like, so rich to do something different from a superhero perspective. Their power set is broadly undefined, but just it's, like, what's the clever thing you can think of? And this was a moment where, ah, like, I just wish they had more moments to do stuff like this, especially when you have two of them because usually it's just one of them, but them being able to work off one another – I just I found it showed like tremendous uh, opportunity for for something the show hasn't engaged with in all that much.
1: Yeah, there's a hilarious moment as you said when they shout into the phone, "Turn off the magic." <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say this very neutrally, Patrick Luppick, like are magic dampeners the midichlorians of the TVA universe like Well,
2: cuz what I is magic? Al- what is magic, right? Like is is are asgardians like advanced tech. I mean, I just like the nature well, of Well, I, is- I guess what I'm
1: saying is I always thought that the TVA just existed it was a plane of existence mm. where magic didn't work. Right. But it's actually – apparently there's like mach- literal physical machines that prevent magic from being used. In do the Infinity Ages. Stones
2: now that the damperers are off? Right. Are those, because we see that that scene in season one, right, where it's like, yeah. look, at the,
1: look at these goofy stones. They don't do anything yeah, are, here. Are Infinity Stones magic? Like is yeah. that what's going on? <laughs> but here's the thing. What I, what I think it's genius too, my guess – is my guess is we're never going to see a TVA without Magic Nappers on for the yeah. rest of the season. Like, yeah. so it's like they get to play with it a little bit, and then we're not going to have to deal with it again, you know, for the for the rest of the season. Um, so it's a fun little plot thing, and yeah, Rafael Casal coming in, R- Rafael Casal like basically MVP of the episode, right? Like, oh yeah, uh, between him watching all his coworkers die, and then, <laughs> uh, and then him pretending like him playing like Sylvie being in- inhabiting Ugh. his body, and then, uh. He prunes Renslayer, right? Yeah. Uh everyone else takes off. And then like you see kind of Raphael Casal get his wits up. Like he is he, he then becomes back into possession of his own body. And you can imagine how confused that guy would be <laughs> when he's like, I was just hanging out, and then all of a sudden, Renslayer is pruned, everyone is gone, he's by himself. Like it would be it, and he has this really interesting look of confusion on his face. He he was just amazing the whole episode. So
2: yeah, agreed. Um
1: uh, okay. The final task is physically taking the object that will expand the loom out of the blast doors, which are filled with powerful temporal radiation. Loki offers to deliver the object before Timely steps in and announces, it's time to be brave. (laughs) Upon stepping out the blast doors, Timely is turned into temporal spaghetti, dying instantly. Moments (laughs) later, the loom ominously explodes. Uh, Incredible. Incredible. uh, Everything about it is incredible right
2: all time yeah. m c u moment like in a all show time. that like if I'm making like a top ten like yeah you know w t f moments like where uh, one of these movies or shows just nails it, like this is one of them, like i not in a million years <laughs> a million years like so like different variants of myself, passion, what do you think happens when it goes out there? Not a single one of them would have said. I think they're just gonna kill the fucker. I think yeah, he's just so. Yeah. Like, and the yeah, way they
1: do it. We're gonna get, you, you think you're gonna, we're gonna get a big, like, tense sequence of him going out there. Oh, I gotta like, be oh, brave. I gotta uh, be and, brave. And then, like, oh, I slipped, I, I dropped the thing and there's gonna be, it's gonna be on the road and, like, you know, and something's gonna go wrong with the plan. And, you know, I, it reminds me of, I was watching, um, I was really upset. You know, this has come up a bunch of times on Decoding TV with you and me, Patrick. But remember 24, mm-hmm. the TV show? Uh, I was obsessed with that show when I was younger. And Same. I would buy the DVDs and like listen to all the commentaries on 24. And I remember in season two, there was this line of um, these characters play Russian roulette in season two of 24. And he said, you know, we've seen a lot of Russian roulette scenes uh we've seen good ones we've seen bad ones what we haven't seen is characters start playing russian roulette and the person dies instantly (laughs) and that's what happens in 24 they start playing russian roulette and literally the first bullet is is uh you know live and they the guy dies um and i was reminded of that sensibility at the end of this episode when it's like we've seen a lot of guy going out to fix a thing in space scenes but what we've rarely seen is he steps outside and he's instantly annihilated. <laughs> just monk. I, I, I
2: mean, no hesitation immediately. Like, you know, like it's, it's just great because it's a, I think it's a great example of. Yeah. Just like the way you said this episode in totality is like the best version of the show as it sees itself. Yeah. And I think this sort of surprise is the best version of, what this show does all the time, yes. but often very poorly. Um, Like surprises that like these, th- that surprise is genuinely not just a like, like what? It's not just a, like capital S surprising. It also has me going, what does this, <laughs> like, what am I even watching now? But in a fun way, it's not like it's, it's removes right. context or fills in like backstory, like with Rens, like it's just, it doesn't mean they're going to stick the landing. I don't know where these next two episodes go, but it's the fun kind of surprise where like they hit you with just a hammer. And then you're left wondering, what are they going to do next with this? Which is a really exciting place to be in a show that I think we've, you know, liked at various points, not liked at various points, um, but have been hopeful. Now it's just sort of, but it's rare that I felt this this genuine sort of whoa kind of moment. And yeah. that's, a fun, that's a fun place to be, not just relative to the show that we've watched, but also just, you know, okay, if they're feeling this sort of confidence, like hopefully this carries right over into these next two episodes and maybe makes the whole work feel better as a whole when seen in totality. It doesn't fix the problems of the previous episodes, but if there is storytelling confidence going in, to these last two I hope these big swings end up being payoffs as opposed to just well let me just on you know we're just gonna wipe all that that fun stuff like timely's there in the next episode and none of that mattered sort of thing I don't know but it's it's a great WTF moment for sure
1: I think uh agree with everything you said wonderful moment and I'm so curious like we as of this recording have no idea we we uh, don't talk about the next time on previews on this podcast. So like, we have no idea what's going on. Do they do those episode. for these, for these shows? Um, I believe so. I believe oh, so. Yeah. Okay. So and there's no um, post-credits.
2: So we have like, yeah, no, no idea sequence. Yeah. We have no We've idea only done that happen. once in the, in the first episode. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: um, I do think that if they had done a better job of the Victor timely, like through line, the moment would have been even more shocking, right? Where, the idea is like Victor Timely always wants. Like I'm not saying they haven't seeded any of that in there at all, but like the idea of Victor Timely wanting to live up to his full potential as he who remains. You know, if that had been like he's like I'm finally gonna trans. You know, transcend. You know, my fate, and it's time to be brave. Like I've always feared the blah, but like now it's time to be brave. Then it'd be like oh wow, the fact that he dies instantly is like even more incredible. Uh so. It, but it, all that said, it was already great. It was already incredible. Moment, well, to, you to your point, think.
2: But if, it, you, if you think yeah. through Timely and all the times we see this character on screen, how often is Victor Timely talking to people or responding to people? Right. Like most yeah. of the time he's responding to people because people are telling him something or they're giving him some revelation. It's rare that Victor Timely is expressing a thought that is uniquely his own working through his own feelings and emotions. Like it's really up on stage explaining like the, the loom prototype. That's like the closest we get to how Victor sees himself presents himself. Uh, and the rest of the time that we're around him is him in awe of what's, what's surrounding him shocked at the many, many revelations about who he is and yada, yada. And that's what I mean. I mean, when like, moments where as fun as the like the 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 not to scale model is i would have liked like like the moment you get with the coffee machine right where he goes off and like fucks with the coffee yeah, machine yeah, yeah. like like more moments like that where he can sit and ref- like he, there's no reflective moments for him like he arrives at the i'm not going to be that person this bad person you think i am i'm i'm going to be brave like those those conclusions make sense for the character they've drawn but we don't right. get enough time with that character itself to express how he got from point a to point b from his perspective and i think that's what's missing and what makes this like go from being like the reveal like the moment he's spaghettied is whoa but emotionally like we needed like one more episode or right. so, like another big scene with just timely i think to let all that land like what if him and obi could have talked and like he could explain like his complicated feelings i think it would have given that moment more weight
1: put a different way i think the show is a lot about payoffs and it's less about setup it's yeah it has no patience for the setup it's all about payoffs um you know the example uh let me i'm just gonna list a few examples right like oh um all the branches are billions of people are being killed in all these like branching timelines boom that's the payoff like no setup um we got to convince general Dox and all her men to come join us and then like they're all crushed to death because they decided that's a payoff but there's no setup for like any of why w- w- why does general Dox care either way we barely understand like we we know she like has allegiance to the tva but does she because she's in jail right now In TV. she you know, like, never like, explained
2: why she did right. what
1: she did we never
2: yeah. got a single not exactly. even a like cursory moment of like why did you think it was cool? To- right,
1: because my philosophy was blank, and this is why. This is why I was praising the moment earlier about like right. them sharing their philosophies. At least it's an ethos. At least yeah. like they're they're sharing the thoughts. So it's like it's all about you know Victor Timely is annihilated. It's it's a payoff, but there's no setup as to like why he would feel the need to be really brave, right? Like there's again, as you said, it makes sense. It's not like completely out of nowhere, but it just there's The show is consistently obsessed with payoffs, no setups, and that really hurts the storytelling, in my opinion. That said, really amazing moments, some all timer moments in this episode. Yeah. the best of what Loki can be, and we'll see if they can all tie it together in the final two episodes. I'm really really do really, you curious.
2: have any predict? Like, what do you think? What do you think's on the? My prediction, and what I think on the other side is actually what Sylvie said earlier when they were having their philosophical discussion, which was maybe we should just like, what is the loom accomplishing? We don't actually know what the loom is. do do, like it's Mm -hmm. oh it's taking care of the time like like, but like time presumably existed before the loom the loom is a way of managing time as energy if you were just to let time go unconstrained would you just have a proper multiverse in which these other timelines lived their lives like peacefully um right alongside one another um now granted that may cause a lot of chaos as an explosion occurs but i but i do that is sort of my theory on like what's Mm. about to occur is sort of the like that and that kind of anarchist uh conclusion has arrived and we'll just see where the dust settles um it's not the elimination of the multiverse because the king dynasty is in theory a movie they're still making um in in a couple of years but it does seem to like allow them an opportunity to reset the stakes of, a little bit, and and maybe talk less about the end of the known universe and more about what 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 motivates these individual characters. But I'm, I'm curious where you think it might go. Well,
1: that's a very plausible outcome, Patrick Lepic. I also think it's entirely possible that something happens in the final two episodes that undoes. The events that we've just witnessed, yeah, right? That feels like the most. Yeah. That feels yeah. like the most likely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. All right, Dave. I guess that makes more <laughs> sense. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I I will give a shout out to this. I thought the ending of this episode was also quite beautiful. Like, yeah, just from a visual perspective and the way the light shines and the you know the the visual conception of the loom, I think is really cool. And then, by the way, when it ended, I think there was a good soprano's series finale style i think there's a good like 10 to 15 seconds of complete silence black screen if i recall correctly is that yeah you remember and it's, that and yeah.
2: it's not, and it's nice to see
1: uh and this is very
2: hard to pull off when cynically uh just like you said the expectation should be return to the status quo and it's hard to create dramatic stakes, especially in like superhero storytelling. Yes. Right. Like the fact that yeah. they were able to pull off that moment at the end of infinity war and make, like, it's like, okay, I know like Tom Holland's coming back, like black Panther. Like I, I like they're not going away, but like, yeah. it's still like felt like one of the biggest, Oh shit moments I've had absolutely in a movie theater. Absolutely. Like, kids crying. Next, I mean like just <laughs> tremendous what they pulled off. And, and I'm not saying this quite, she's about, I think it's a very unique moment in frankly cinematic history what they managed to pull off at the end of that film but i think the way it's shot like they really make you sit with yeah like they lost like yeah. they they did all the things they actually quote succeeded and it wasn't enough and it lets you s- sit with that for frankly a couple of minutes as like obi oh, like okay what's like plan z I, there is no plan z we're just going to yeah. slowly watch this thing envelop us and i just thought it was like pretty beautifully done because it's difficult yeah. to create moments of like genuine failure even if you know on the other side is an undo button um it's nice to see them pull that off even in in a show like this yeah
1: yeah like the, the fact that you experience any emotional reaction to what's going on is a is an achievement on yeah. their part and even though we know that the mcu is probably going to continue after this i have some suspicions uh, (laughs) the the fact that we still felt like oh yeah they, they they had to sit with that they had to they had time with which to reckon with their own failures before they all were consumed by the exploding temporal loom or whatever um that's an achievement so uh really good stuff anyway I think that'll bring it really excited to, to, to dive into next week's episode with you. I'm really curious what it's going to be. Uh, but until then, you can find more episodes of this podcast at podcast.decodingtv.com. Email us at decodingtv at gmail.com. Find us across all platforms YouTube, Threads, Instagram, TikTok at decoding TV. And uh, Patrick Klepek's work can be found at Remap Radio, wherever you listen to your podcast, or at crossplay.news, where he's writing about video games and children. And uh, how the two of them can or cannot mix, <laughs> Patrick Club, Do you finish Spider Man Two yet? By the way,
2: I'm not. According to the percentage meter, I am
1: 22. percent Oh wow, there's a lot I'm, of side stuff. There's a lot of. I'm farther of side than you. Stuff. I'm, I'm yeah. at like 50. Well, I'm, I'm at 52 at this point. I think new so. Mario
2: game, Alan Wake yeah. Two, Spider Man Two, a lot of a lot of yeah. twos, a lot of games going on. But also, I it's such a well done game that I'm in. I'm in no rush to to, to finish it. Um, uh, but it's 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 exceptionally well done.
1: Indeed. All right. Well, until next week, uh, we'll see you for another episode of Decoding TV, recapping, reviewing, and discussing Loki. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you later. Hold
0: up.